Today's episode is brought to you by McLean Middleton, providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review with our Down to Business podcast for March 16th, 2022. Uh, Today we have as our guest, uh, someone who's been on our wish list for guests for quite a long time. His plans for the Balsams have been uh, in the news, certainly on the pages of New Hampshire Business Review for many years now. And we're hoping to get a little sense of what's going on there now, because there seems to be, after uh, several years of ups and downs, it seems to be light at the end of the tunnel. But anyway, I- I'm here today with Amanda Andrews, our associate editor, and our guest, Les Otten, the developer, who's got grand plans for the grand resort of the Balsams. Les, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Hey, thank you. Good morning to you, to you both. Pleasure. Um, first of all, Les, you know, I remember when we ran our first article in the Business Review about your plan, it was in 2015, uh, so it's been seven years. What's, how, how, come it's, how come it's taken this long? I mean, what, what are some of the ups and downs you've been through? Oh, I think you can look at it two ways. Um, uh, why is it taking so long or isn't this all happening so fast? Um, <laughs> So just historically, you, you know, the, the, the Dix family um, uh, associated itself with Dixville Notch in the early 1800s. And then after the Civil War, they built the first carriage house um, in uh, 1865, which burned, by the way, to the ground. And in 1867, it was rebuilt. And that's when that really represented the the birth of the balsams and through many generations and many iterations of ownership, um, uh, the, the resort, uh, the, the inn, the golf course, uh, all were, um, you know, extraordinary assets for the North Country. Um, and in the ups and downs of, of the resort, um, uh, maybe the, the, the last down was sort of cl- caused by um, both the success of the resort being um, a very special, very um, sort of secure, uh, secure to the past, um, uh, true to the past uh, resort. So we all remember that, you know, in the early 2000s, 2005, 6, 7, 8, you could go to the, the resort and if the outside temperature was 70 degrees, the inside temperature was 70 degrees. The outside temperature happened to be 95. You open the window uh, or close the window, uh, as as might be, and there was no air conditioning. Then there was no internet. Then there was no cell phone. Then there was no cable. And as the as the world changed, the balsams was slow to change and didn't um, keep staying true to its to its its values. So the food was extraordinary, and um the uh the ambiance never changed and so the resort remained very busy in uh july and august but as time went on everything from september to june died off uh it was no longer the first 
the first choice of conference goers, uh, you know, missing a lot of the electronic that things that we have become accustomed to. So when the balsams closed, um, it was sort of the end of its particular era and um, it needed a fresh look, it needed a reboot, it needed um, a, uh, um, uh, a new plan to, to be, how is this gonna, how is the balsams gonna fit into the 21st century? It was certainly for most of the 20th century and the end of the 19th century, it was exactly what people were looking for. But, you know, we all know how things changed uh, uh, in, in just, you know, in the last 20 or 30 years of our lifetimes. So yeah. that's sort of the backdrop for, you know, it took 150 years for the balsams to get to the point where it had its peak and it had its valley. And um, I'm on one hand, not surprised that it's taken, you know, six or seven years to get the balsams plan back together again so that it uh, is something that can survive the 21st century. And that plan is the one that we've been working on. And yes, that plan has had some significant ups and downs. We were very, very close um, twice before to, to being funded and starting. And things happened beyond our control. Um, and uh, that sort of caused us to delay. The last time was just before COVID hit. And with 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 COVID coming at us, um, the, the entire resort industry was consolidating and no one was investing. So here we had, you know, a wonderful plan and a large cadre of, of real estate buyers who were going to be founders or are still going to be founders um, in in the balsams. And that came to a full grinding stop. Um, last April, um, as we started to see the light, the first light at the end of the tunnel that wasn't coming at us, I liked your opening, Jeff, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you know, it's not coming at us, but <laughs> that's my half of that. But we, we engaged with, uh, Provident Financial Resources, Provident Resources Group out of Baton Rouge, and they specialize in building hotels and housing um, through 501 tax-free bonding um, at different places like the Air Force Academy, major colleges around the country, and um, they uh, determined that the uh, Balsams would be a place where they could uh, own and have us operate and build uh, one of the, the, the hotels that we need. So our project, in order to be financially viable and to sort of tie this long-winded chain back to the beginning of, the, of, the, of your question, which is why so long, the plan that was necessary to put in place needed to be financially viable. To be financially viable, we needed a housing base of about 800 people to pay for an ex expanded ski area, for more activities on the property, and for rooms that when it was cold, you turned the thermostat up instead of closing the window. So that, through its ups and downs, had, had to go through that sort of metamorphosis, if you will, to be reborn. Now with uh, uh, a significant part of the funding for the project uh, being uh, coming from a 501. What is also interesting is it was Neil Tillotson's uh, uh, desire that 
uh, a significant portion of his estate would be reinvested within 25 miles of the balsams. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and the majority of his money is still in New Hampshire, but it isn't doing exactly what he wanted it to do. But uh, the, 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 the fact that this 501 can now um, come in and as that hotel profits, those profits can be poured back into um, Northern Coas County uh, in, into Dixville is sort of a significant sort of uh, uh, event because it, now it sort of means that what Neil Tillotson wanted to happen, although not happening with his money, is going to be happening, uh, you know, through Provident uh, Resources Group um, on the property. So one of the major hotels there is going to basically be, you know, the profit that comes from that hotel is going to end up newing to the community. Yeah, could you? You know, I'm interested in this pro, this financing with Provident. Could you explain a little bit how, how how you put that together? I mean, you have a lot of experience in getting financing, obviously putting together this American skiing and all those ski areas you had. And uh, so, how how did you come across? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? How, how did this happen? So this is um, a uh, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy, okay. uh, <laughs> and um, that guy knows another guy. So, so, but by the time we got to the end of that chain, um, I ended up last April getting on a plane and just flying down to Baton Rouge and meeting um, Steve Hicks, who's the chairman and CEO of Provident Resources. And um, um, we uh, um, we found that we had a lot in common, both so socially and as a, as a goal set of what we wanted to accomplish. And he and his group looked at our project and we spent a couple of days going like, yeah, this could fit into their, in, into what they do. They've done numerous 20, 30 uh, 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 buildings of, of one type or another that, that, that are used as housing in an adjunct situation to another business. The tax law um, uh, has a provision that allows for tax-free bonds to be issued and sold um, for uh, hotels that are in support and housing that is in support of other for-profit and not for-profit businesses. So in the in the municap world, there are tax-free munis that you know generally go into the marketplace uh, a couple times a year in, in the January timeframe and the June July timeframe, and um, they're bought by um, large funds that enjoy. Um, the uh, the non the non tax uh, value of of a long term uh, piece of paper and so the, the paper that gets issued um, the bonds that get issued are I think 33 years in, in length and the interest rate uh, whatever is earned is is then tax free to to the owner so that mm. of course the, the 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 flip side of that is that when the hotel profits if the hotel profits those profits don't go into in, in, into the, the, the my pro my pocket, they go into the, the the pocket of the of the community. They need to be reinvested uh, for the municipal or social benefit of the community. So hmm. that, that that's a um, uh, a unique. That's the piece that makes it um, tax free. So it hmm. is sort of like having a charity come to town and say, "Hey, we're going to invest." $75 million in, in your, in your project. And, um, um, you'll, you'll run it 
um, and uh, you know they'll pay you to use your facilities. Um, but uh, when the hotel rooms make a profit, then that profit gets reinvested in the community. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have any concerns about the interest rate uh, environment right now? Is that going to mess things up or make it a little more difficult? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I, at this stage, you know, you worry about everything, uh, but. I think we're we're all sitting here. I, I'm first generation survivor of the Holocaust, so my dad came to the United States in 1938, and as I grew up, um, I, I grew up with all the stories of everything that went wrong, uh, you know, in in those years, and you know, sitting at the Thanksgiving table, um, which was my dad's favorite holiday, you know, uh, speaking with relatives who enjoyed Thanksgiving because it was the one holiday that didn't have any negative religious overtones and it didn't, it didn't have bad memories that, you know, went along with things like Kristallnacht and, you know, all the rest of the, what happened in, the, in that era. But it's frightening right now to, um, uh, to you know, to carry on your everyday activity, mm. you know, with that in the rearview mirror or not even in the rearview mirror, it's, it's right in front of the windshield. Um, yeah. So it is making the markets today very difficult. but with that said, we've become accustomed to, you know, to, to, the, to the project having its ups and downs. Um, and so I don't think we're, I'm particularly put off by the fact that right now, you know, there's uh, a lot of instability in the financial markets. In September of 2011, I was sitting in an office on, the, on the 70 Franklin Street. Um, in, in Boston about to sit down with, I think it was Boston Harbor Capital Partners, about making an investment in the Red Sox. And that meeting was started at nine o'clock in the morning. And of course, we all know what happened on September 11th. The world changed. Um, uh, and, you know, it, it was 20 years till we were out of Afghanistan um, uh, in that, you know, with a lot happening in between. The point being that the Red Sox deal still closed in the end of December, um, and we took over ownership. I don't know, maybe it was March first or second um, mm. uh, in uh, uh, in two thousand and two, which was you know just five months after you know nine eleven. The deal was cemented three and a half months later, and we took over. Uh, we walked in the door with the keys to the Red Sox. And it just shows you how quickly financial markets change and and recover. Now, so there, and there are no guarantees. I, I think that you know it's a little bit frustrating, maybe for the people who sort of been watching us in this process as we've had our ups and downs, saying, "Are you ever going to get this going? Is it ever really going to happen? Is this is a pipe dream?" Um, but this is an extraordinarily complex uh, transaction that has significant upside potential, but uh, you know, if you get frustrated by things that take a long time, you shouldn't be trying. It doesn't mean that we're gonna positively succeed and that there won't be a point where we say we can't go forward, but we're not at that point. We're at a good point right now. Cool. I think it's a good time to take a break. We'll be right back. McLean Middleton is one of New England's premier full-service law firms, with headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, and offices in Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. 
McLean Middleton has over 100 attorneys in five locations and has been providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. A full-service law firm with practice areas in corporate, tax, employment, litigation, trusts and estates, energy and environment, intellectual property and privacy, and data security, to name just a few. McLean Middleton's commitment to their clients, community, and colleagues has helped them to establish and maintain long-standing relationships as trusted advisors. Whether you are starting your business, growing your business, or preparing to sell your business, McLean Middleton has the experience to guide you through the complexities of the legal system. For a complete listing of their practice areas, attorneys, and locations, visit www.mclane.com. Hi, we're back uh, with Les Otten, uh, developing the uh, balsams, as I said, eagerly awaited, not just in Dixville and North Country, but all over the state. And I know, Amanda, you wanted to, you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about with Les, so why don't you take the microphone? Of course. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so I'm actually, I'm really curious. Um, there's, there's been, you know, a huge uptick in people that are now going outdoors. Um, now that you know spring's coming but covid's also kind of lifting it's you know rearing its head you know not so much anymore so i'm curious if you're more optimistic about opening um what's what's your timeline for opening and do you are you optimistic about um a good turnout i'm very optimistic and one of the reasons for that optimism is the continued significant interest in real estate um that we're that we have uh, uh, to, to offer, um, and we've had we've seen a tremendous uptick um, in the last uh, two and a half three months. The other thing that gives me encouragement is just looking around at what's going on in the in the winter recreation sports industry in general, which is is very strong. And uh, it seems to me that there's a market opportunity for um, independents who aren't part of the giant chains. Now that's coming from the guy that right started this whole thing of consolidating ski areas and building the large chains. I think there's great value in that, but I also think there's even, even more value at this point in having sort of the gems or the pearls or the diamonds or the emeralds of the, of the industry um, that are not part of a large chain where you get a lot more personalized service where, you know, not to, not to steal from Cheers, but where somebody does know your name and where you'll know the names of the people that you're, that you're, you're working with. And so that, that smaller, more familial environment, I, I think, is something that is is being um, asked for, and people are looking for it. So, and I, and I think that's what we're going to be delivering. What's your um, suggest your planned timeline for opening? Um, yesterday, um, several times yesterday. Um, hardest question there is to answer because I can't predict the timing of financial markets and when the bonds will will go out there uh, you know i'm speaking very optimistically um uh, if you you know peel back the onion you're going to see a list of uh, a couple hundred items that all need to come together in order to have the uh, construction start we are hopeful that uh, we'll be able to start construction um this summer uh we've done um you know, an exhaustive amount of, of both environmental work uh, in preparation for final submissions of, 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 of 
building permits and AOT permits. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, ever optimistic, um, hoping that finally we're not the bridesmaid. Hopefully this is the time that we become the bride. Um, feels good. It feels as though it's going to happen. Um, uh, but I'm also realistic to know that we were at this point twice in the past and things beyond our control really sort of stopped us from going forward. So with the caveat that I don't want egg all over my face when I say I'm hopeful that we start business this summer, um, yeah, I'm optimistic. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, Les, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. First of all, I want to know how many investors do you have? How many people you have you, do you have who sign up to uh, to become uh, in, you know investors in the in in the property? You know, um, buying units or whatever they're going to be called there. So yeah, um, we have something called the Century Club, um, which is hundred day ownership shares of a uh, warranty deed of a specific unit inside the old Hampshire Dix House, which is being completely rebuilt. Um, the first 150 people that join us with that um, are what we're going to call our founders and those 150 people will get sort of special benefits for the rest of their lives whether they stay as owners of the property or not and it's you know first tracks on skiing and preferred tea times and being able to, to use facilities we have 150 of those slots and we have probably 111 of them that are been where people have made reservation deposits to hold them. So we're down to a, we're down to a, uh, uh, I think that part of the project we're very, we're very secure with um, because the activity can, continues. So, and then we have, you know, then, then there are uh, large hundreds literally of folks that are interested in other types of real estate. Um, other than 100-day shares in in, uh, in in the hotel, but we're starting with the the hotels, and very shortly thereafter, constructed the hotels. We plan to move into into other things that we basically have um, uh, done the wetlands work for and uh, have laid out on the property in the form of you know more permanent year-round housing, especially in the town of Colebrook, where um, we're going to be developing. Um, around the golf course yeah yeah that, that brings another question i have about it you know this is a business publication how many jobs do you think are going to be created I, you know from the construction but then long term once you get the thing up and running let's say if everything goes perfectly what kind of what kind of employment are we talking about because that's a part of the, the state that uh, just is desperate for jobs and i know that's why they're so eager for this project yeah so direct jobs um, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 400 um, full-time year-round equivalents um, at the at the balsams. Um, remembering now that the winter is going to be as active as the summer, and that we're building a convention center that um, is part of this that convention uh, uh, facility again, which will end up being owned by Provident and operated by us, but. That will have the ability to seat upwards of 700 people for a meal at one at one time. Mm -hmm. That sort of that energy is um, uh, sort of uh, central to the development of the development of the of the product. Mm -hmm. cool. The the other thing I wanted to ask. Oh, 
I, the other thing I, I wanted to ask was, um, someone mentioned something like basically, we've been watching uh, a lot of ski areas as we go, go towards the southern part of the state having some difficulty because of climate change and having to adapt. And someone said to me, well, you know, let's pick the right place to go because it's, <laughs> that's got, you know, the climate change is not gonna be fucking on that much, at least let's hope not. Uh, but uh, it's because you're way up north there. So is that uh, something you think might play into your uh, plan, whether it was planned or not? Um, I think it was always acknowledged that that we were in a colder, uh, snowier climate. I mean, without doubt, it's the snowiest, coldest place in New Hampshire. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, bragging about the fact that you've got the coldest place in New Hampshire. <laughs> To run a winter resort may not be the best thing to do. You look back historically 10, 20, 30 years ago, but now, you know, a lot of those days when the snow is marginal and you get three inches in a little rain, you know, a little further to the south, there's 18 inches of snow that falls at the balsams. And so there's a, you know, a meteorological advantage um, yeah. of the property. And, um, you know, I I have I I like to remind myself, and whenever I talk about this, uh, about 25% of the balsam's projected revenues are coming from skiing. Um, but um, those 25 that 25% of that revenue base is extremely important to the overall resort. And being able to say that you know we get more snow and that we are have colder temperatures um, works well for that segment of the business. Um, and maybe the fact that we're a little bit cooler in the summertime too, because of our elevation and location, is going to work well, you know, in the summertime as well. You can get out of the heat, um, which is forecast to be coming in a place that's, again, meteorologically and uh, geographically in a in a in a good location to um, weather the weather. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I also one other thing about marketing. Are you marketing this? in Canada as well? I mean, I assume so, considering you're closer to Canada than you are to most parts of New Hampshire. So uh, is that, are you doing that or is it just gonna be yeah, going by? We, we certainly will be um, marketing uh, the resort. And one of, it's interesting, um, it, the majority of the population from Sherbrooke to through Montreal, it, travels past the balsams to go to the beach in Old Orchard, um, and right past the front door of the balsams. Um, the mm. 20 is the main artery to get from Canada to the, the beaches of Maine. And now we have the opportunity to say, hey guys, we have this really great place for you to go. And you're already familiar with the route. Um, so it's sort of have a natural marketing opportunity um, as the as the balsams revitalizes itself to appeal to winter, so yes, Montreal and the and the and the and the market around Montreal are are uh, are important targets. Um, but we also like to remind everybody that we're three hours and forty one minutes via Google Maps from the Tobin Bridge in Boston, um, which is only twenty minutes more than it takes to get to Sunday River and 20 minutes less than it takes to get to Sugarloaf or J Peak, where a lot of people from that marketplace go. And 
um, we have a lot of great ski areas in New Hampshire, um, and the Balsams uh, just wants to be additive to, you know, to making uh, New Hampshire, uh, you know, uh, uh, a northeast destination for winter and summer recreation. Well, you know, just speaking as someone who cares a lot about the North Country, I think this would be such a great project. I you know, thought from the very beginning, and I really wish you a lot of success, a lot of luck with this and success. Uh, so I did see something in, the, in an interview we gave with the Globe that you said something about possibly skiing by 2023-24, the winter of 2023-24. Is that still on the? Yes. That's still that a thought. Be, yeah, that would be the that would be the timetable that we would be you know potentially on. Wow. Um, that's, that's it, like a year or so, year and a half. No, it, uh, it's it's 20 months, uh, 22 months away. Um, Okay. Again, it, it could be it could be at the beginning of of twenty at the end of twenty three or sometime in twenty four. So that's okay. a, it's a reasonable time frame based on what it takes to what it takes to build things. Again, it's all predicated on things that are and are not in our control, and we're working to control the things that we can't, and uh, looking to have others control the things that we can't. Okay. Very good. Listen, Les Otten, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, really appreciate it. And maybe we can have you back as we go forward, as we get closer to that skiing deadline. Uh, so anyway, this is Jeff Feingold with Amanda Andrews. Be well, everybody.